This program is brought to you by Worldwide Business Intelligence. To fast track your prosperity, your freedom, and your purpose, go to www.pfp.expert, where we have three exceptional videos that are going to help change the way you think about business forever and the way you see success. What is unique ability? Well, unique ability is made up of two distinct things. It's made up of passion and it's made up of competence. So if you imagine a line, a vertical line going from the bottom to the top where at the bottom people are not very passionate about what they do and at the top people are extremely passionate, that makes up one of the axes. Now you imagine a horizontal line crossing over that vertical line and where at the left-hand side people aren't very competent at all and at the right-hand side people are extremely competent. That gives you four very distinct quadrants. Where people have no passion and no competence at all, I call that the restrictive zone. That's at the bottom lower quadrant. No passion, no competence. Restrictive. It's not about living your whole life in the restrictive zone and that's where you are, although some people do do that. It's more importantly for most of our listeners who are listening to this uh, podcast, it's very much about what is it in my current job, in my current life that actually is in the restrictive zone. If you've got stuff there, then really try and get rid of it as best as you can. And sometimes it's just simple little things. For me, two or three of the things that I have, uh, that I used to have, I should say, in the restrictive zone were, uh, I'm not home very much, as as many of you know, I travel the world quite a lot, and uh, I always used to do my own housework. Well, guess what? I haven't done my own housework for you know well over a year now, and even though sometimes I come home and my cleaner's cleaned over what I did, what she did be the week before, it's not about that. It's really about the fact of you know I wasn't passionate about cleaning, and I certainly wasn't that good at it either. But now I always come home to a nice clean house, and the amount of money is a is a great investment in that because it's my mindset is just so much better because I can do what I want to do when I get here, not what I don't want to do, which is do the cleaning. So the other thing I have is the gardening, of course. So every quarter I have my gardener come in and tidy up around the yard. I don't really enjoy doing that. It's not one of the things I've ever liked doing is the gardening. It's definitely in my restrictive zone. I'm useless at it. The last time I tried to do it, I killed plants. So getting somebody in to actually do those gardens um, gives me more time back to actually work in things that I really love doing. So that's the first quadrant. The second quadrant is a lot more unfortunate, really, because this is where you are highly competent. And this is the quadrant on the right. So imagine that horizontal line where you're highly competent, but the vertical line is really low where you have zero passion or not very much passion at all. This is called the proficient zone. This is a a really bad zone because there's a lot of people in this zone and you'll see them every, every morning when you're driving to work, you'll see them on the road going backwards and forwards to their daily jobs. They might be really good at those jobs, but they're not really living a passionate, fulfilled, extraordinary life. And the reason why is because they've long since lost passion for what it is that they do. They're simply going through the motions. And it's a shame because in years to come, they might look back and go, oh my goodness, I wasted so much time doing this thing that I really didn't enjoy that much. And yeah, they'd be right. They did. There are other things there in in what you do that you might be really, really super good at, but also you're not very passionate about them. And for me, one of those things uh, very much is doing uh, administration. I can do it, and I do it pretty well when I have to. And doing all my own planning and organizing, again, I can do it really well when I have to. 
But these days I choose not to do that. I choose to get other people involved who are much more passionate at putting together those sort of things than, than what I am. And again, I try and work only in the areas um, above the line, above the horizontal line there. A third area is up in the top left. This is where you have yet to develop your competence, but your passion is really high. So this is an area I call the developing area. It's a great area because as you're developing your skill, uh, you are getting, you're also already very passionate about that. So you're exuding fantastic energy, even though you may not yet be ready to actually deliver that um, talent onto the world. So these are things that you uh, can work on. You should be studying. You should be putting time and effort into refining, putting time and effort into really delivering the value that you're going to have here. And if you put the time in, you'll certainly get the result and start to move them through to the fourth quadrant. The fourth quadrant, of course, is where your passion is high and also where your competence is high. This area is unique ability. This is the area where you can do things so much better than most other people. This is the area where very few people can come close to you, and this is the area that you would probably be known for. You're unlikely to be known for what you're proficient at because you're not going to have the energy or passion for it, but you'll definitely be known for stuff that is in your unique ability area. For me, again, and many of you know this story, what I believe is in my unique ability area is my ability um, as a speaker and also as a musician and combining those two things together, combining my passion and my competence, really helps me be unique as a speaker who involves music in what they do. So this is your unique ability. It's a very, very simple exercise that you have to do today, and this is only a quite a short little uh, podcast today because this is what you need to do. You need to make a list of everything that you do over your week and your month. And you need to eradicate from that list everything that you do that's in your proficient and restrictive zone. And I'm not saying do it all at once. I'm not saying stop doing the accounts today, don't take out the garbage today, do all this other stuff today. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is start to look at what you can offload to somebody else because the old saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So what you may not want to do, somebody else may love to do. Now, I guess you couldn't imagine anybody wanting to take out the garbage, but for quite frankly, as far as the, uh, the garden around my house goes, my gardener loves doing that. That's her passion. She loves that. That's her business. So whilst I find it a total drain and a bore, she is absolutely excited by getting in there and digging out a few weeds and, and trimming back some plants and things like that. So make a list of exactly what it is that you're currently doing and look to eradicate and put a plan in place to eradicate everything that you do that is in your restrictive zone and everything that you do that is in your, in your proficient zone. Then what I want you to do is start to make a list of the things that you're really, really passionate about and that you're also really good at. Make that list and then hone down. Give yourself little ratings like, oh, I'm a 9 out of 10 on that on passion and a 7 out of 10 on that on, on competence. When you look at that back of that list, look at the things that you've rated the highest, the things that may be the 9.9s, the 10.10s, the 9.8s, that sort of thing. They are your unique abilities. The question that you have then is to start to think and write down exactly how do you bring those unique abilities into your life on a more regular basis? How do you utilize them even in what you do for a living? So it doesn't matter what is your unique ability. It doesn't matter if gardening is your unique ability. How do you actually bring that more into your life than what you're currently doing at the moment? 
Some people will say, oh, but this is my hobby and I don't necessarily want to bring it into my work. Well, that's okay, don't. There'll be other unique abilities that you have that you can bring into your work. And let's face it, if you're a secretary and you want to do your boss's gardening and that's going to help you feel great, then I'd say go for it because it's going to put you in a totally different mindset and in totally different energy than you were before. By tapping into your unique ability, you will actually be able to move forward, you'll be able to shift your own energy, and you'll be able to create attraction at a much higher level. This program is brought to you by Worldwide Business Intelligence. To fast-track your prosperity, your freedom, and your purpose, go to www.pfp.expert, where we have three exceptional videos that are going to help change the way you think about business forever and the way you see success. And today we're going to be talking about learned competence and real competence. What's the difference? Because unique ability is a combination of passion and competence. But people have different levels of competence and it comes from different areas. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, they're just a natural, they were born to do that? That's really um, a natural competence. Whereas some people just study and study and study and gain a learned competence. So whatever it is that you're doing, I think it's okay to have both. It's okay to have natural competence, but it's also okay to have learned competence. So what is natural competence and where does it come from? Well, each of us are born with certain talents. And if you remember back to our last session uh, a couple of weeks ago in terms of our internal value, one of those is talents and one of them is character. So as we grow and develop, we actually are born with certain talents. Sometimes they don't ever come out until a certain age. For instance, I've been working with a a young girl who's a, a great singer, fantastic singer in Australia. She's just 16 now, but she never started singing until she was 16. Yet to hear her, you would think that she's been learning to sing and had lessons all of her life. She just has that natural competence. But there are other people, myself included, who don't have that natural competence to sing, who certainly would need to have learned competence. So if you've got something that you're highly passionate about, um, but you're not yet competent in it, then you need to put a plan in place to actually develop that competence. So this is where you need to start investing in yourself, investing in the types of things that uh, will bring you that competence in a much quicker space than you would otherwise get it. Don't expect to just to be able to develop things by yourself. If you want to learn to play golf, go and get golf lessons. If you want to learn to play the guitar, go and get guitar lessons. If you want to learn to be the best business person on the planet, go and learn from the people who are the best business people on the planet. One of the biggest shames is where People who have competences just don't find those competences. And sometimes it's things like, oh, I really wanted to do this, but no, I just, I just don't think I'll be any good at it. So, you know, it's all too hard to try and it seems too hard to learn. And, I just, you know, because of that, I just haven't done it. I have a friend of mine who has this saying. He says, well, if you want to learn to do something, it's probably only going to take you a year. So in about five years, you'll be an expert. And so in five years' time, you're only going to be five years older than you are now. And unless you're five years old now, it's not going to seem like an awfully long time, so just go ahead and do it. And you know what? I think he's absolutely right. I have another friend who really wanted to learn to play the guitar. And when we were about 27 or 28, he actually did buy a guitar and went to about three or four guitar lessons. 
He came back to me and he said, oh, Mike, I, you know, I'm just finding this a bit hard. And I said, well, yeah, it is hard, actually. It is hard for the first little while. But, you know, some things that you learn in guitar was one of those for me. You know, you struggle away, struggle away. Your hands don't go into the right position and, you know, nothing sounds right and all of that sort of stuff. And then the next morning, after about three or four months, you wake up and bang, you can actually do some stuff. You go, wow, that was really interesting because the, the flow of learning is not necessarily a gradual curve. In a lot of respects, it can be a J curve. In other respects, it can be something that's like um, like stepping stones. So you seem to get to a point and plateau for a while. Then you go to another point and you plateau for a while there. Then you go to another point and plateau there. There are four stages of competence, and uh, a number of you might have heard this before, but I think it's worthwhile going through. And those four stages are really um, the stages that in any learned behavior that you're trying to get, in any competence that you're trying to have, the, the path that you go through. The first stage is that you are unconsciously incompetent. In other words, you do not know that you do not know. For example, we were all like that before we started driving a car. When Before we even got behind the wheel of a car, we sort of went, mm, okay, well, we really don't know how to do this, and what are those three pedals on the ground anyway? And yeah, unless we've played a lot of uh, PlayStation with cars, um, most of us were going, I don't know if I'm going to be able to drive or not. And it's a scary thing, really. Then we go to the second stage. And the second stage is when you start to do it and you actually realize you can't. And that's when you become consciously incompetent. Consciously incompetent. You know that you don't know. So the first time I dropped, got behind a wheel of a car, I thought, how hard do you actually press this accelerator? And then when I pressed it, and you know, I was going three or four miles an hour, I thought, what if I can't react in time to stop this? And then when I did stop it, how hard do I press the brake? So I didn't know that I didn't know, so it was all really, really weird to me. But at this point here, in any learned behavior, in any competence that you're trying to develop, becomes a, a decision line. And the decision line happens at the point where you realize, you know that you don't know, when you're, un, when you're consciously incompetent. Because at this point here, you can either regress or progress. For example, um, I was always very, very good at ball sports, sports like cricket and, and golf and football, no problem with those, hockey, no problem, uh, tennis, not so bad. Uh, I could always uh, squash, certainly not so bad. But then one day I started to try and play basketball. And for some reason, I couldn't play basketball. I couldn't shoot the hoops. I could sure catch the ball. I could pass fine. The whole dribbling thing just wasn't working for me. And I, I didn't know whether I'd be able to do it or not at first, which is unconsciously incompetent. But then I realized once I, when, I, when I tried it, I became consciously incompetent. I knew that I didn't really know how to do it. And so I thought, well, I'm just not going to learn this. This will just be a sport that I just don't want to play. And so I actually would have liked to have played at basketball. It's a pretty good sport, but I sort of gave up after two or three games. And that's what happens with a lot of people. We regress back to where we were before. And then we go on further, and I could pick up basketball today. I'm pretty sure that if I went and learnt from some people, learnt from some mentors, that within you know even a month or so that I could play basketball relatively well, at least as well as I can play any other sort of ball sport. So... Once you get past that decision line and you say, yes, I'm going to progress, then you get to the third stage. And the third stage for me is that you become unconsciously competent. Now, if you've heard this before, some people will mess around with the third and fourth stages, but let me tell you why it works like this. Unconsciously competent is when 
you don't know, but it all seems to be going okay. So for instance, you're driving the car, but you're not really sure why you're able to do this now. You, you don't know exactly how it's all happening, but it just seems to be happening. Everything seems to be working. And then you get to the fourth stage. And the fourth stage is that you become consciously competent. And the fourth stage is you know that you know. So in other words, you know that if you turn the steering wheel here, that the car's going to do this. You know that if you pull on the handbrake and turn the wheel to the left, that the car's going to skid in a certain way. You know that if you pull the power off at a certain point in a corner, you're going to be able to get around that corner. That is being very conscious, and that is being very competent. And that's the reason why it's consciously competent. It's just the same in golf. When you first learn to play golf, you don't know if you can do it or not, then you find out you can't. Then you start being able to hit some of the balls really well, but others you don't hit that well at all, so you're unconsciously competent. You can play quite well, but you know you don't really know why it is. And then you get to become Tiger Woods, who knows that if he wraps his little finger around the golf club to one more millimetre, that he'll bend that ball around the tree and put it on the green. So... Two very, very distinct types of competences that you have. A learned competence, and that's the one we've just been talking about, or the natural competences that just come to you, which are the real competences, the real talents that you're born with. What I'd like you to do for this exercise today is really start to think about what are some of the learned competences that you would like to have in the next 12 months to two years? What are some of the learned competences that you would like to have in the next 12 months to two years? Make a list of those, get on the internet and start finding out how you can get involved and how you can learn, putting those together with the other things that you have on in your day and in your week and in your month and in your year. Because the one thing's for sure that it's not the destination that's fun. We all know that. It's the journey. But the journey starts with one small step. And for the journey, a step comes after a step comes after a step. Think of everything that you're going to learn in terms of these new competences, just like getting a black belt in karate. Black belt in karate will normally take somebody who's, who's relatively dedicated about four to five years from the time they start to get a black belt. It's like having an apprenticeship and getting your black belt at the end. So whatever you want to do, it's going to take a certain amount of time to do it. You're going to go through stages where you go through the white belts, the yellow belts, the red belts, the brown belts, etc., to get to your black belt in whatever it is you do. But if you don't make that list, if you don't start investigating it, and if you don't decide that now is the best time that you can actually learn a new competence, then you'll never move ahead. Mike Hancock here. Make that list, and I'll see you again next time when we're going to look at finding your passion.